wish I had a friend. Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. We're a nonprofit that's devoted to supporting moms in their transition into motherhood. And I'm Nicole. I'm a mom and I'm your host. All right, everybody, welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. So this week we're going to be talking about matrescence some more. We're doing a series where we discuss all the different aspects of matrescence, meaning the transition into motherhood. And this week we're discussing how our emotional life changes during matrescence. So a lot of the time we think that any big emotion is a sign of a mental illness. And here's the thing. Our emotional life changes so drastically during motherhood that things can kind of get confusing. So we're going to talk about mental illness in prenatal and postpartum people later in the episode. But first, let's talk about just normal emotions during pregnancy and postpartum, because we're definitely going to see big emotions and then we're also going to see mental illness. So as we're discussing how our emotional life changes during matrescence, both of those things are going to be pretty important. So the first time I really experienced these big emotions um, was when, actually it was before I knew I was pregnant at all. So I was an apartment manager and I was showing someone um, the vacant apartments that I had uh, so they could see if they wanted to rent them or not. And I worked with a maintenance team and we would all make sure that the apartment, when it was vacant, it would get all freshened up and like we'd repaint the walls or clean the carpets, things like that. Um, you know, all those things that we all hate when they take it out of our security deposits. So anyway, so I am showing a lady, um, our vacant apartments and we're at the first one. And let me tell you, this place was immaculate. So we had like painted the walls. I think they even had brand new carpet in there. So she goes into the bathroom and she lifts up the toilet seat and she notices that underneath the toilet seat, it's corroded. And it's probably combination of it being old and also the previous tenants not cleaning as much when they lived there. So somehow me and everyone on the team who would flip these apartments when they were vacant, we had all missed it. So this lady starts freaking out. She starts going on and on and on about this toilet seat, even though the rest of the apartment was sparkling clean. And I explained to her that replacing a toilet seat would literally take the maintenance team like five minutes. And we would definitely have it replaced before she moved in. But she didn't hear anything I said. And she just kept going on and on about how she couldn't believe this the toilet seat looked like that. So I knew that this lady was never going to rent an apartment for me. <laughs> like it was over. She wasn't interested. And she had this horrible taste in her mouth and there was no recovering from it. It wasn't going to go well after that. So for her, this was a big deal. And I, of course, thought she was being ridiculous and I still kind of think that. (laughs) But for her, it was totally catastrophic. So as an apartment manager, I had to follow fair housing laws, which means basically being a robot and treating everyone exactly the same or else I would risk getting sued. So that means that every apartment tour needed to be exactly the same, exactly the same. So even though I knew this lady was never going to rent for me again, in order to follow fair housing laws, I had to ask her, like, do you want to see the other apartments that I have vacant? And for whatever reason, 
she said yes and she so we left and we went to go look at the other vacant apartments which um i think was kind of silly but she said yes so i managed a bunch of buildings along the same street and so i took her from building to building and i was showing her the vacant apartments that i had and in every single new empty apartment she would say something like i can't believe that that toilet seat in that first apartment So she would not stop talking about it. And I started getting really, really irritated. So we finally got to the last apartment and she continued to rattle on and on about the toilet seat. And when she finally left, I stayed in the empty apartment and I got my phone out and I called my husband and I was so mad. I started rambling on and on and ranting about how much this lady had pissed me off and how horrible she was and how ridiculous she was being. And I was bawling my eyes out the whole time. I had tears just spewing out of my face. My husband, Jeremy, on the other end of the line, he's used to me complaining about the job. Like, let me tell you, I could tell you some really weird stories of things that happened when I was an apartment manager. But on this phone call, I was way more upset than I had ever been before. And he just thought to himself, like, wow, this lady must have been, like, super rude. Like, way more rude than how rude people normally are. And so he listened to me cry and ramble about this woman. He was, like, very supportive. Was just like, wow, this lady must have been horrible. And um, after I hung up, I stopped crying. And I was standing there in this kitchen. And I was like, this is really out of character for me. Am I pregnant? So Jeremy and I had been trying to get pregnant, but after not getting pregnant on the first try, I was so discouraged um, that I was trying not to micromanage when I took the pregnancy tests. So I was waiting a little longer than I had the first time. And I'm sure anyone who's listening that's had infertility problems, they're probably thinking I'm a wuss, which, you know, maybe I was. So, So anyways, I rushed home and I pulled out a pregnancy test and boom, yes, I was pregnant. So... Um, talk about emotions going on here. So I was totally, this situation was totally over the top compared to like what my average emotions were. Um, and this was just at the very beginning of my journey. So I was just barely pregnant. So now my son's three and let's just say things have gotten a little bit more crazy in my emotional life during matrescence over the last few years. So... Something interesting about motherhood is the loneliness. Um, I have a virtual friend who posted a YouTube video a while ago, and I'm going to post a link to it in the show notes so that you can go watch the whole thing if you'd want, if you like. Um, But she gets super real about loneliness as a mom. And I think this is um, an important thing to talk about because I think it's really common in moms and, um, Sometimes it's hard to get vulnerable about how we're feeling. And I think she is very brave in how she does that. So you heard a snippet of her at the beginning of the podcast. And let's go ahead and listen to a little bit more. so pathetic. I really wish. I 
really wish I had a friend. I wish I had like a best friend. And I think that's the one thing I'm so envious of some of my mom friends. I don't want like a pity friend who like pities me because I feel so lonely, but that's the loneliest part of motherhood is not having somebody who can just come over and spend time with you and your kids can all like grow up together. Like a friend who just lives down the street. And um, and like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I told you guys I was gonna cry. Um, I just wish that I had that kind of friendship and I'm not trying to feel sorry for myself because we all do things that makes us, that puts us in these positions. I'm not saying like, oh, I don't have friends because of whatever. I'm like, no, it's like when you become a mom, you become so busy so you don't really get to reach out and as often as you want to. But you have good intentions that you want to but sometimes friends friendships just kind of like they don't fall apart they just kind of drift apart and then when you get back together it's like you never miss a beat but um i'm only sad because i just wish that i had somebody who lived close to me that's it sorry guys oh my gosh i'm just like a crying fool <laughs> um I'm sorry, makeup is like running. Oh man. I just, I'm just here again, just saying, like like I said before, like you're not alone. There are many moms out there like us, just wanting friends and to just be your friend. And even if it's online, like I'm here and I'm never gonna judge you and I'm never gonna like compare you to anybody. like. I would always be here for you. I'd always be your friend. I'd always make sure that you knew that I care about you. And that's what I what I want. I want us to be friends so we can all encourage each other and help us move forward and to just be, you know, just, just, just feeling like you have someone to talk to and that you're not ever alone. So she touches on a couple of things here. The sheer increase of emotions we experience as moms, I think she can kind of show that in what she's saying. And then how our relationships change. And also like what our needs are inside of a relationship and how that changes. And I love how open she is about feeling lonely. I think a lot of us have felt like that. And I know I have. I think the more that I think about my own experience as a mom and during matrescence and the more I talk to other moms the more I believe that loneliness is part of matrescence and it's one of those emotions that seems pretty common as our emotional life is changing so I remember being friends with women who had kids before I got pregnant so I 
I had never gotten, I hadn't gotten pregnant yet. And I had friends who were moms. So I felt like I wasn't totally part of the group. And then, um, I imagined that once I had a baby as well, we'd like all hang out during the day at one of the mom's houses and we'd all nurse our babies together and we'd cook lunch together and we'd just hang out and help take care of each other's babies and just really be there for each other day in and day out. And um, I think I didn't know how to express that, first of all. And second of all, like that doesn't usually happen. Um, So I had my baby and then I still had these mom friends, but that's not what I experienced. Um, I mean, if anyone had that magical of a transition into motherhood, like please email me because I would like to interview on this podcast and then live vicariously through you because that sounds magical. Instead though, I would see my friends at like potlucks or church things and then I'd go home and I'd feel overwhelmed and lonely and honestly I'd feel kind of bored and um, I think that's a little bit more common than what I imagined magical mom life and magical matrescence to be like. So one of the other things that changes in our emotional life is obviously the sheer joy and enthusiasm we feel. And I'm sure there are moments for each of us that we just felt like there was so much joy in us that we can't even contain it all. Um, The first time I held my baby was like that. And it was like my whole body was just overjoyed to see him. And I was bawling and I couldn't stop. And... I was just so excited about seeing him and I just felt so much love for him. And I said to my husband, I want to have a hundred more babies. And he probably thought I was crazy because I had just been done with being in labor for four days, but it was so worth it. And more recently, we started potty training my three-year-old, which is something I was really nervous about. And so I was in the other room and I walked into the living room And he had taken his own little pants off and was sitting on his own little potty all by himself going potty. And oh my gosh, I was just so proud of him. Like he did this whole thing all by himself. And I was seriously just so overjoyed and so, so proud of him. Like I I just can't explain it. It was so awesome. So one of the other kind of confusing things about motherhood and matrescence or maybe something that's a little difficult to navigate is uh, in relation to our new emotional life is feeling lots of things all at the same time and it's totally okay to on one hand think to ourselves I love my kid so much I'm gonna explode and also at the exact same time think if I don't get a moment alone I'm gonna lose it it can be kind of jarring to have that mixture of feelings that seems to contradict one another But it's important to know that it's okay to feel conflicting things at the same time, especially during matrescence. Okay, so we've talked about some of the normal changes to our emotional life during matrescence, some of those big feelings that we have. So now let's talk about mental illness and mental health. So having emotions is healthy, obviously. So what do we do when it gets to be a little too much or we just aren't feeling like ourselves? Maybe we think something's wrong. And how do we know what's normal, what's not normal when it comes to our new emotional life? 
And we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, some overall things you can look for if you're concerned about your mental health. So I did a training through Postpartum Support International on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Perinatal meaning pregnant and postpartum. So while I'm not a therapist and I can't diagnose you or anything like that, I do have the training to educate on these perinatal mood or anxiety disorders. So the first thing I want to say is that it's okay if you're not feeling like yourself and that it's not your fault. There is hope and we can help you with that. So working with a good therapist, getting on medication, and doing group therapy are all ways that we see moms and birthers recover from mood and anxiety disorders like depression, anxiety during pregnancy or postpartum. So again, the things that work to um, help a mom recover from a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder is therapy, medication, and something that's great is group therapy as well. And then I have an extra tip for you at the end of the show about an extra thing that can help as well. So um, the first thing I would like to say though is that postpartum does not mean postpartum depression. Postpartum is the period after birth and delivery And we need to stop shortening postpartum depression to postpartum because doing that increases the stigma of postpartum depression being bad. So if someone asks you, did you have postpartum? Please say back to them, do you mean postpartum depression? It's kind of like Voldemort, guys. Like, we can say his name. It's okay. (laughs) Okay, so now that I got that off my chest, let's talk about perinatal mental health. The first thing I want to talk about is the baby blues. This is so important. So when I was pregnant, I was told that the baby blues are mild postpartum depression. And that is not the whole story. So the baby blues happen because of hormonal fluctuations after the baby is born. And that combined with getting poor sleep, which is pretty normal when you have a newborn. So what it looks like is the birther is tearful, moody, reactive, exhausted. And what makes this different from postpartum depression is that the birther, even though they're feeling like that, maybe they're crying a lot, kind of moody, tired, that the birther is overall happy and their self-esteem remains intact. So that's what makes it different from postpartum depression. Another really important part of the baby blues is it usually peaks at three to five days after delivery and it lasts a maximum of two weeks. You heard me right, two weeks. That means if you are not feeling like yourself after two weeks, for example, when you go to your six-week checkup postpartum, then it's no longer the baby blues and there's something else entirely going on here. So The baby blues affects 60 to 80% of moms and it's super common and it's, again, just like all of these mental health things, it's not your fault. So that's something that's super, super important. So if you're still not feeling like yourself when you go to your six-week checkup, we need to talk about some other type of mental health thing that's going on. It's not the baby blues at that point. Okay, so after the two-week mark, what now? So the biggest thing is that if you are not feeling like yourself after two weeks postpartum, there is hope. And at that point, at that after two weeks point, if you're not feeling like yourself, I recommend getting in touch with a therapist. And here's the thing. I recommend getting in touch with a therapist that specializes in maternal mental health. 
So I had experiences postpartum with going to therapists that had zero training and they also weren't parents themselves. Um, in They had zero training in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and they also had no kids. So they didn't get it. And um, honestly, I, I personally think it's important to have somebody that knows what they're doing when you're seeing a therapist. So if you visit psidirectory.com there's a whole list of providers that have been trained in perinatal and mood and anxiety disorders and you can also see if they've taken the certification test or if they've only attended the training depending on what's important to you so um depression or anxiety or anything else postpartum is just a little bit different in us moms so i recommend seeing a therapist that knows what you're going through I think a good example of that is um, I was talking with Jen, the physical therapist that was on the podcast uh, earlier, a few weeks ago, and she had, um, she was explaining to me that she had um, a patient at one point that she was getting a little frustrated that she wasn't doing her at-home exercises, and then Um, one day when she came to an appointment, this mom brought her kids with her and she had, I think if I remember right, it was twin three-year-olds and a newborn. And once Jen saw what was happening, like what that actually looked like to take care of those children all at once, Jen was like, oh my gosh, I finally understand. And so that's the kind of thing that we need to be seeing people that understand what it's like to be a mom. And so we want to get my opinion is that we want to get therapists that know what they're talking about. So, um, um, in the show notes, I'm going to link to postpartum support international for you to look over some of the symptoms of each perinatal mood and anxiety disorder individually. Overall though, here are some questions for you to consider if you're concerned about your mental health. Okay. So I'm going to just list them here. So are you feeling sad or depressed? Do you feel more irritable or angry than those around you? Are you having difficulty bonding with your baby? Do you feel anxious or panicky? Are you having problems eating or sleeping? Are you having upsetting thoughts that you can't get out of your mind? Do you feel as if you're out of control or going crazy? Do you feel like you never should have become a mother? Are you worried that you might hurt yourself or the baby? So... There's a few things I want to talk about um, that I just didn't know when I was pregnant. And that's what was putting me at higher risk for mental illness postpartum. So here are some interesting things that put you at higher risk for postpartum depression that from, from my understanding are different risk factors than normal depression. So it's things like having PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, having... PMS or PMDD, which stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And this is all before you got pregnant. Having complications or a high-risk pregnancy, having a complicated or high-risk pregnancy or birth, and then having complications in breastfeeding. If you have kids in the NICU, if you have multiples like twins, women who've gone through infertility treatments, women with a thyroid imbalance, women with any form of diabetes, type 1, type 2, or gestational. And then I have an extra one 
that's pretty interesting that I'm going to talk about at the end of the show, an extra risk factor. So these are all super, super interesting to me. And had I known that this was this ahead of time, I may have been a little better prepared postpartum. I don't, I don't know if I would have been, but I like to think I would have been at least. So having these things aren't going to predict having a mental illness. Like if you checked off a bunch of those, it's not going to like set in stone a mental illness. It's just giving us information to consider, especially during pregnancy. And that way we can be a little bit more prepared for after delivery. Things like hiring a birth doula, um, that will help like increase your odds of having um, a birth that goes a little bit better. Um, Of course, we can't control that all the way, but you're stacking everything in your favor with a birth doula. Hiring a postpartum doula, um, finding a therapist beforehand, finding a lactation consultant beforehand, or even just letting your OBGYN or midwife know that you're at higher risk. Those are all great ways that you could prepare ahead of time. So here's another interesting tidbit. Did you know that when we look at female mothers who have postpartum depression, 50% of their male partners also have postpartum depression? That means if you're not feeling good after having a baby, your partner has a 50% chance that he is also, um, that he also needs to get checked out and that he might have postpartum depression. So If you're not feeling good, then please make sure your partner gets checked out too. So something that's, that's something that's super interesting. And something else is that postpartum depression actually looks different in dads than it does in moms. So here's the symptoms for postpartum depression in dads. So withdrawing socially, trying to focus more on work or other distractions, consistently low energy and fatigue, feeling unmotivated, Changes in sleep, weight, and appetite, alcohol and substance abuse, headaches and stomach aches, feeling easily stressed or frustrated, violent or aggressive behavior, impulsive and risky behavior, and anger and irritability. So what we see in postpartum happen is that mom's really lonely, really sad, really tearful, And then dad starts doing extra hours at work and starts getting raises. So both of these are signals that we need some additional mental health help. So just like mom, to get the best results, we need a therapist and often medication of some kind. And group therapy is a bonus here. There's dad-centered virtual therapy um, that's available and all it's free and I'll link it in the show notes so you can check that out. So... Okay, here's another interesting tidbit on postpartum depression. It's how it affects LGBTQ people. So I started researching this because I was curious um, how LGBTQ people are affected, if it's different or if it's the same as heterosexual people. So something interesting, I found some interesting research on it. So it's, um, and if you remember when I listed the risk factors for postpartum depression in moms, I said I was going to get an extra I give an extra one at the end of the show. And here it is. So bisexual women who are partnered with men have worse mental health postpartum. So super, super interesting. So I read up on research that showed that they experience postpartum depression more often than heterosexual couples. So 
from the research I've done, it seems like overall mental health is pretty similar, like outside of maternal mental health and postpartum. Overall mental health is pretty similar in heterosexual and homosexual people. And then bisexual people's mental health is much worse. And then trans people's mental health is way worse than bisexual people. So um, so bisexual women are already starting at a higher risk, if I understand right. And um, and then you throw them into postpartum and things start getting a little, a little ugly. So if you're a bisexual woman who's partnered with a man, please keep an eye on your mental health during matrescence, especially because your provider may assume that you're straight if you're partnered with a man. So, okay, so we've talked about a lot of stuff, how our emotional life changes during matrescence. To finish off, I'd like to leave you with a tip for how to deal with your new emotional life that's pretty effective. So research shows that when we add this thing to our existing mental health treatment, our healing skyrockets and totally accelerates. And if we don't have a mental illness and are just managing our big emotions, it helps with that too. So can you guess what it is? It's yoga. So yoga can help us manage our new emotional life by making it a little easier. And it can accelerate our mental health healing when we are already working with a therapist and on medication. So when you stack yoga with medication and therapy, your mental health healing will accelerate and you will heal faster and better. So this is one of the reasons why we do yoga as a matrescence nonprofit because it really, really helps. So you can visit our digital yoga library for free at hereandnowmotherhood.org slash library and I'll link that in the show notes. So um, just wanted to let all of you know that you're not alone in this new huge emotional life that's changing during matrescence. And until next time, thank you for joining me. Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. 